It's Super Bowl Sunday. Across the U.S., millions and millions of people are tuning in for the most-watched TV event of the year. But over in Amsterdam, there's this American guy, Brandon, who's struggling to find the big game to watch with his expat buddies. We get together for the Super Bowl, and we'd watch it at 1 o'clock in the morning at one friend's house who had, you know, the, the correct channel for it. But we couldn't watch it in English. Uh, you know, had to watch it with Dutch commentators, which was sort of strange. I remember London Fletcher making a big tackle for the Rams, and the announcer going, Oh, London Fletcher, goeiemorgen zegt! <laughs> which translates literally as, London Fletcher says good morning! <laughs> like, okay, all right. Uh, good morning? That American in Amsterdam was Brandon Hun. The comedian, actor, and writer may be best known for his role as Coach Beard on the hit show Ted Lasso about an American football coach who takes over a Premier League soccer team and is also based on the age-old assumption that American football and European football know nothing about one another, nor do they care to. In Europe, no, they didn't, uh, they didn't particularly cotton to the NFL. Brendan's also the co-creator of the series, which is based on his own experience as an NFL fan living in Europe. And Brandon knows football doesn't speak English. It speaks American. I mean, just take the name, which in every other country in the world refers to an entirely different sport. We Americans measure things in inches and feet, degrees in Fahrenheit, and time in the 12-hour system. And we adore a sport that exists really only in the United States, that's steeped in militaristic symbolism, capitalism, folksy Americana. I mean, the Patriots, for God's sake. It's a sport that insists on calling itself by another's name. I mean, it's the epitome of America firstism. But America has exported so much culture to the rest of the world. Jazz, rock and roll, ugh, McDonald's. So, I mean, why not football? Especially with a once-in-a-lifetime talent like Tom Brady as the face of the game. But do people outside of the US of A actually care about football? And if so, is this really what we want our next great export to be? I'm Gotham Chopra from Religion of Sports and ESPN Plus. This is Man in the Arena, a 10-part companion podcast to the docuseries of the same name, looking at Tom Brady through the eyes of players and coaches, fans and haters, people whose dreams he's either ruined or made come true, including me. Each episode looks at Tom's impact inside and outside the arena, using sports to explore bigger questions about the world and ourselves. This episode... Football versus football. Can American football ever speak the language of international sport, become truly global, expand its appeal across the pond, and even beyond? Is there something about the game that makes it, I don't know, too American? And what can football tell us about who we are as a country? All that after the break.
Welcome back. So in 2016, Charlotte Gibson, a researcher at ESPN at the time, helped put together a ranking of the most famous athletes in the world called the ESPN World Fame 100. And of course, Tom Brady made the list. Tom Brady is a GOAT. There's no denying that. And that's what makes it interesting for so many people when they look at this list. And they see that Mr. GOAT is ranked 52. How is that possible? He's the GOAT. I mean, dude wasn't even in the top half of the most famous athletes on the planet. Many of the stars that rank highly on the world fame list are famous in so many different countries. That's Sachin Dave Chandon. And for six years, I was an ESPN researcher. He helped scrape the data to determine Tom's ranking, which granted was based on a whole host of analytics, not just athletic ability, but also salary, endorsements, social media presence. But still, 52. So the fun exercise about gathering data and looking at the results is it makes you realize how small America can be. It stands to mention that Tom has, let's see, Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, a lot more soccer, I mean football, players ahead of him. Also two cricket players and MMA fighters. But the point is, living in America, it's pretty easy to get myopic about football. It's, it could be a bit humbling as somebody that's spent their whole life in America to see, huh, a lot of people don't know the NFL players that I obsess about every week. The NFL is kind of notorious for being insular. Only about 3% of its players are foreign born. That's the lowest of any major professional sports league in the country. Other homegrown sports like Major League Baseball and the NBA and its players have always been better global ambassadors. Like, Kobe Bryant's first promotional trip to China happened in 1998. That's nearly 20 years before Tom Brady went over. There have been a few other attempts to grow the profile of the sport, like the World League of American Football, a kind of spring league for NFL teams. That was pretty short-lived. And since the middle aughts, NFL teams have played in London and Mexico City. More recently, the IPP... International Player Pathway Program aims to cultivate talent from abroad. But it's hard to argue against the fact that football has always been pretty nationalistic. I mean, there was even a bald eagle named Challenger who used to fly into stadiums during the national anthem. But it turns out that's exactly what some people love. That tremendous power of just, God damn, Team America, fuck yeah. That's Roger Bennett. And I mean, God love him. And my producer loves him even more than me. You're going to hear her fangirling in his interview. Can't really blame her. I mean, it's Roger Bennett. He's fucking awesome. He's a Brit who just wrote a memoir about his journey to becoming an American citizen. I'm from Liverpool, England. I'm American now. I always say I'm more American than Kenny Powers. He's also apparently more American than me because I had no idea who Kenny Powers is until I Googled him. He's like this archetypal Southern rednecky character in the HBO show Eastbound and Down. Good old Raj also co-hosts the Premier League show and weekly podcast Men in Blazers, all about that other football. But it turns out he also has a deep love 
for the American football. It started when he was a U.S.-obsessed teenager. And what better way into mainstream American culture than through the NFL? It was 1982. And this package of you know, Joe Montana-era NFL with its glitz, its joy, its wonder, its bombast, for a kid who already was in love with America, I could not have been more exhilarated if I'd stuck my fingers into an electric socket. At this point, Raj had absolutely no idea what was going on. But you know what? He didn't care. The sport itself was totally besides the point. This crescendo of, of, uh, of terms, of, of rushes and blitzes for inexplicable reasons. They had women on the sideline dancing while the play was happening. What was that? You know, so much of it, the sight, the sounds, the smells, just the ebullience of it was remarkable. There was just a dizzying sense of sirens calling me to America when I used to watch uh, NFL highlights to the extent that I joined a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan club, even though I had no interest in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were a hapless team back then, but they had a kind of underground a network of Tampa Bay fans. I think it was about 17 of us. I was surprised to hear about this fan club. I mean, these guys are devoted. Hi there, so I'm David Cambridge. I help run the Bucks UK fan club. So we're the officially recognized UK supporters club for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And is the longest running NFL supporters club here in the UK. David has gone to 70 NFL games. Not 17, 70. And of all the teams to have a big presence over in the UK, why the Bucks? I mean, we're talking about the 1980s. They were so bad that we used to call the Buccaneers the Buccaneers. Okay, look, eventually they won a Super Bowl in I think like the 2002 season, but they have never exactly been the kind of bandwagon that a casual fan might jump onto. The way most UK Bucks fans start is we go on vacation to Orlando. That's right. The largest European fan base for the NFL is thanks to Disney World, one of America's other great spectacles. So it's a normal family trip to Disney for a couple of weeks. So we got tickets down to Tampa and we went there. It was that time in the old Sombrero Stadium. It was just an absolutely amazing experience. David actually sees a kind of utopian America as melting pot harmony represented in the stands of an NFL game. All the fans are mixed together. Over here at soccer, you don't. You have your home supporters and then your away supporters are very much confined to a specific designated area and you do not get a mixture of fans. Whereas I think it's far more sort of open and friendly and, you know, you had to Raymond James Stadium and you're all parked up and everybody's tailgating, Bucks fans and whoever we're playing and it's good natured and it's fun and uh, everyone's enjoying that. And you wouldn't get that here in the UK at all. Uh, so for comparison, Roger Bennett describes a typical Liverpool Premier League game. 
you know, the fields were muddy, the fans were grim. You'd go to the stadium and you'd walk over bloody bodies routinely, people who'd had the crack kicked out of them by other hooligan bands. And you wouldn't even be like, oh my God, there's a human being bleeding there. You'd just step over them and keep chatting. I'd be like, Dad, I think this is going to be a really good game today as I stepped over a broken man bleeding from his head. And so that was what I was used to as sport. There was a level of just American wonder and American soft power that entranced me as a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old. So eventually both Raj and David learned the sport and came to appreciate the game itself too. But for them, the flyover, the national anthem, the honor, the troops rhetoric, the halftime show extravaganza, that in-your-face American stuff was exactly what they loved. And look, if I flash back to my own experience, as I told a few episodes back, my parents emigrated to the US in the 1970s, and I was the first American in my family. Sports like American football were how I learned to be an American, so I get it. If you want a taste of fuck yeah Americana, an NFL game is like the meal of choice. It's the place to go. I had an American pen pal and mine was in Chicago and he would send me you know, cuttings from the Sun-Times and the Tribune about William Refrigerator Perry. He was the epitome of that Super Bowl winning Bears team, a giant man who could play offense and defense. Um, I had a, a poster of him leaning against the fridge right above my bed and actually through bizarre circumstance, ended up meeting the Bears. I first came to America in um, 86. The Bears had just won the Super Bowl and met William Refrigerator Perry at 4 a.m. at O'Hare Airport. And he put his arm around me as we walked to get his bags. And he said, dream big dreams. I did. You can too which um, were just, I mean, gospel to my ear. I now work in sports and realize it's a, that's an amalgam of every single cliche any athlete tells any kid they want to get the heck away from. But back then, I was like, oh my God, I'm 15. And the fridge himself, the man who's on my bedroom wall, has just told me to move to America. Don't just talk about it, do it. So I have the fridge to thank for being here. And I did. I moved here at the first opportunity after university. Even as an American living abroad, Brandon Hunt, Coach Beard, learned how American football can sometimes represent something great about America. And this isn't just some expat propaganda. This is really what he saw firsthand. So much of Europe, like, they love America, actually. Um, they love the concept and they love the idea. And uh, we are optimistic at our best. You know, we do kind of think that we can climb any mountain and take care of any challenge. Like that progress-obsessed, can-do attitude, it's even baked into the rules of the game. A friend of mine, he said something once that I thought was really, really interesting, which is American football is on some level the, the celebration of progress. Like literal, like how close are you getting? Like, okay, well now you, right now you gotta get 10 yards and I'm gonna give you four chances, okay? Ooh, you got, you got two yards there, you get another try. And like, oh, you got, oh, you got almost eight yards there. You got almost eight yards. We want to make so sure about what your progress was. Here's what we're going to do. We have these orange sticks. We're going to bring these orange sticks out. Oh, my God, these orange sticks aren't quite telling us for sure. Here's what else we got. We have a thousand cameras focused on this two-inch piece of grass. We're going to know exactly how much progress you made. And, oh, my God, you made it. Everybody celebrate. We made it 30 feet. Do we get points for that? No. 
but it's amazing. Wow, great job. All right, let's sell some uh, some Kool-Aid and uh, we'll be right back to get 30 more feet. But the painstaking incremental stop-start progress of football, and if we're gonna go with this metaphor of America itself, whew, it can feel excruciating. Almost like we're standing still, or sometimes even going backwards. My love of America was forged as a child. It's a very naive idea. Um, it is an, it's the ideal of America, the reality of America as we've all lived the past two years is so much more complex, so much more challenging, so much more intense than, than, than uh, anything I could possibly have prepared for. Look, everything, everything has been politicized in this country lately. Vaccines, masks, Starbucks cups, climate change, even football. We can't think about the NFL without thinking about taking a knee and about how the league treats the players. I mean, it's taken way too long for the NFL to acknowledge the toll the game takes on players' bodies and their minds. But for better or for worse, the world is paying more and more attention to our football. Take the UK Bucks fan club. They had 17 members when Raj joined up back in fucking years time in the 80s. Now, that number is over 500. But is what's going on in this sport really the story we want to be telling the rest of the world about ourselves? Stay with us. And we're back. Despite all the flaws, both in football and its country of origin, the USA can be seen as a beacon of hope and aspiration. Sometimes that America is even more inspiring to non-Americans than to us Americans. And according to David Cambridge, Tom Brady, I mean, he's the poster boy for the most American game. I think anybody over here in the UK that follows sport in general will know who Tom Brady is, without a doubt. He's definitely a household name over here. Um, you know, even people that don't follow American football will have heard of Tom Brady. Not just as a, an incredible player who's undoubtedly the GOAT. Perception over here, I think, was he was perhaps a very dry persona. Mm. He was a winner. but. He just looks like he's having so much fun down in Tampa as well at the minute. I've never seen him smile so much and with Gronk on board. But he just looks like he's enjoying life and bringing everybody along with him, doesn't he? I think that has definitely grown over the last few years as well. So it's not just his status as the so-called GOAT, the greatest of all time. It's his image too. David, Roger, they see this all-American guy who represents this all-American sport. Which brings me to the Pats-Rams Super Bowl showdown, the one in the 2018 season. There was someone else watching that game too, from the stands. He'd come over from across the pond, as they say, to watch his first ever NFL game. And he was loving it. There was a real special occasion, and of course, just kind of fell in love with it from there, really. That's Harry Kane, 
one of the greatest strikers, that's soccer speak for offensive players, in the world. And while for that first game, he wasn't exactly speaking the language of the sport. Yeah, so my first impressions were that it was confusing. <laughs> he was still totally into it. But I just love the fact that every player is going, trying to go forward, every player is trying to advance up the pitch and obviously score a touchdown. So I guess that's why I love it so much, that kind of rush and that, that adrenaline kind of watching every play, really. So now Harry understands the game even better. And he considers himself an even more massive American football fan. But what first drew him to football wasn't exactly the sport itself. It was Tom Brady. I was actually on YouTube, kind of NFL videos and things like that. And uh, a Tom Brady one come out, the documentary. I got watching it. Yeah, and it really just hit me on a kind of a personal level. Tom's story of overcoming the odds to play at the top level resonated with Harry when he was overlooked early in his own career as a professional soccer player. I think I was 18 or 19 years old at the time. So I was kind of being overlooked and felt like I was good enough to make it at the, the highest level. It was just about kind of yeah, using that as motivation, kind of like Tom did, and work harder than everyone else and make sure that when, when I get the chance, I'll be ready for it. And Harry's not just a fan. He said he wants to end his career as a professional athlete, as a kicker in the NFL. But yeah, it's definitely there as an option. When my soccer career is over, I'll, I'll look to trying to play in two of the biggest sports in the world would be uh, an amazing achievement. Hear that? He said two of the biggest sports in the world, football and football. I mean, not on paper. American football fans are far outnumbered worldwide. Soccer has something like three and a half billion fans, and the NFL has 400 million. Other sports are far more visible, more famous, more internationally relevant. But there is something about the NFL that captures the imagination of the world. And it's a combination of all the things, the sport, the spectacle, and our guy, Tom Brady. So for that age-old question of football versus football, maybe the two have a little more mutual respect than I ever thought. It's not football versus football. It's football and football. There's a mutual appreciation of each other's greatness. Now, when Raj goes back home to cover the Premier League for an American audience, when he interviews the soccer players. The one thing they always want to talk about more often than not is American sports. Including Harry Kane. He wanted to talk about the NFL. He wanted to talk to me about Tom Brady, about the New England Patriots. On the TV show Ted Lasso, despite all his clumsy American ignorance, he ultimately charms the team, the manager, and the whole of Britain. And while Tom Brady is no Ted Lasso, he does in ways represent the best aspects of American football. Tom Brady in England is known as the emblem of tenacity. And that character and greatness, it might actually transcend the sport, transcend America altogether. Yeah, I remember uh, actually flying over to make a film about Chelsea Football Club and the New England Patriots were surging. And I remember getting a, a car to JFK 
and all I could hear about on sports radio was about Tom Brady and just the season curve and thinking, oh my God, I, you know, I, as a Bears fan, I was like, please, God, let me get away from this. I can't stand hearing it again. And then landing in Heathrow and getting a car uh, to Chelsea Football Club. And to my shock and my horror, talk radio in England was also, that was the only conversation they were having. I, I did laugh and I was like, oh my God, just the, the globalization and the reverence for greatness. So whether it's Tom Brady or the force of globalization, or you know what, a little bit of both, American football has come a long way since Brendan Hunt struggled to watch that Super Bowl in Amsterdam in the early aughts. Harry Kane's Premier League team, the Tottenham Hotspurs, even built the first dual-purpose NFL soccer stadium in the UK. It's the only stadium specially designed for the NFL outside of North America. It was really cool. So I'm an also, I've also become an Arsenal fan. That's Brendan, who, by the way, is now a huge soccer fan. And a little while back, he had the chance to go to the stadium for a football and football doubleheader. It was a, you know, once-in-a-lifetime day where I could go to an Arsenal game and a Bears game in the same city on the same day. He was impressed, not only with the stadium, but the turnout. The NFL fans of Europe all, like, converge in London. These are all people who also are soccer fans. So uh, Harry Kane, big football fan, and, of course, Tottenham Hotspur legend, (laughs) comes out to do, like, the ceremonial coin toss or whatever, and you can see him beaming. He's so happy to be part of this, part of this NFL in Europe experience. But instead of a big cheer for Tottenham's best striker, and, by the way, captain of the English national team, the Arsenal fans in the stadium... Tottenham's rival Premier League team, they just destroy Kane. And the rain of booze that came down on Harry Kane in his own stadium. You could, you could see you could see the moment his heart dies, but oh, I'll never forget the look on Harry Kane's face. Bless his heart. Listen, I remember games at Gillette when, you know, Peyton Manning and the Colts would come into town. You're not going to boo Peyton Manning. In fact, I remember sitting at the stadium, turning to a few of the Colts teams after Peyton throws one of those incredible passes, you know, into double coverage, but still completing it. What do you do? You got a wink. You got a cheers to those rival fans. Yeah, it's with the $17 Bud Light tall boy, but still Peyton Manning. This camaraderie is the American football way. All of us together, even if we might hate each other's players or teams or politics, watching the football move ever so slightly forward, forward, forward. It's truly joyful and exhilarating and optimistic. And maybe that's one of the good parts of the great American story. And if Harry Kane does decide to end his professional sports career, In the NFL, Arsenal superfan Brendan Hunt would be cheering him on. If Harry Kane ended up being the kicker in the NFL, that'd be pretty pretty damn cool and I'd be rooting for him. Next time, we stare into the void of life after football. If there is one. Man in the Arena is a Religion of Sports production in partnership with ESPN+. I'm Gotham Chopra, the host and creator. Our senior producers are Isaac Kestenbaum and Josephine Holtzman of Future Projects. 
Our story editor is Michael Garofalo. Executive producers are Amit Sunkran and Adam Schlossman. Associate producers Iggy Monda and Megan Coyle. Fact-checking by Jane Ackerman. This episode was mixed by Merritt Jacob and for ESPN Plus, Brian Lockhart, Senior Vice President, Original Content and ESPN Films, Lindsay Ravenio, Executive Producer, ESPN Plus Originals, Tori Champagne, Producer, ESPN Plus Originals, Julia Lowry-Henderson, Senior Editorial Producer, Riley Bloom, Production Assistant. Lastly, special thanks to Jessica Popovac, Steve Nelson, Carly Peruccio, Composer Michael Kramer, PRX, and Row Home Productions. 